0: You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangalos, professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a certified medical director in long term care.
1: What steps can physicians take to ensure a smooth transition for patients from the hospital to a long term care facility or vice versa? Joining us to discuss safe transitions of care is Dr. Joseph Auslander, Professor of Clinical Biomedical Science and Associate Dean for Geriatric Programs at the Charles E. Schmidt College of Biomedical Science and Courtesy Professor at the Christine E. Lynn College of Nursing of Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida. Joe, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. One of the things that we're going to do today that's a little bit different is to provide the listening audience with a disclosure. Dr. Joe and I are longtime buddies. We play a lot of golf together. He spots me a stroke a hole and usually still beats me on a regular basis.
0: Now, well, I don't know if that's particularly true, but the uh, matches go back and forth.
1: Yeah, uh, you're so kind. Anyway, welcome to the program, Joe. We talked about this on Golf Cart earlier in the season, and you've done a lot of work on care transitions. You did the work when you were in uh, Georgia, and you're continuing the work in Florida. So tell us, why are transitions such a risky undertaking for elderly patients and prone to missteps?
0: The key here is, like it is in a lot of areas of medicine and life, is communication, There's a lot of critical information that we need to take good care of patients when they're going from a hospital into a nursing home and vice versa, and uh, the communication has to be really good. There's no substitute, in my mind, for physician-to-physician communication if that can occur, It can be difficult at the time of transition between the settings, but if a physician can talk to, for example, if a discharging physician from the hospital is handing off a patient to a skilled nursing facility and if they can talk just directly to a physician or nurse practitioner or physician assistant who's going to be receiving that patient and tell them what the critical issues are, that could be helpful, vice versa. When a patient is being transferred from a skilled nursing facility to an emergency room, a call to the emergency room physician or a nurse in the emergency room, explaining why the patient is transferred and what are the critical issues that need to be addressed can be very helpful. I understand that person-to-person communication can be challenging at those times. The other alternative is to develop really good Interfacility transfer forms with the critical information on them, and I know many states and many groups are, are working on that now
1: now you've done a fair amount of work with the quality improvement organizations, both in Georgia and in Florida. Most of our listeners know that patients are in the hospital for shorter periods of time, they have more complex uh, problems, and they come out with discharge summaries that are anything but stellar. Do you want to tell us about any of the activities that you've been up to to help make these programs better with regards to transitions?
0: Well, with regard to transferring nursing home residents to the hospital, we've developed some clinical practice tools that are available to providers called Interact Interventions to Reduce Acute Care Transfers. They're a set of tools that facilitate uh, nursing home staff In identifying acute changes in condition, assessing those changes, having options to manage patients in the facility rather than transferring them if that's feasible and safe and appropriate for that patient, and documenting what is done. If the patient needs to be transferred, we've developed a transfer form that we think is an improvement upon most of those that are available which is, again, on the website, it's similar to the one that's in the AMDA transitions guideline. This form was uh, vetted by emergency room physicians and emergency room nurses asking them the question, what specific information do you need to adequately assess a nursing home resident who's transferred to your emergency room? We heard in a lot of conversations with emergency room staff they uniformly say, well, we have to admit a lot of these patients because we can't tell what's going on with them. We don't get adequate information from the facilities. And let me be clear about this. What they have said is we get information. It's just not the critical information that we need. We, we sometimes get voluminous records, and we can't see through those records the information we need. So we designed a, a transfer form that we think has in a checklist the critical information information. The other thing we did is we put a checklist of documents on an envelope so that when documents need to be transferred to the hospital, there's a checklist and they can be put into one envelope. Those tools, the second iteration called Interact 2, they can be found at a website, interact.geriu.org. And those are publicly available. On the flip side, I'm currently working with the Florida Hospital Association to try and develop a transfer tool that would go the opposite direction. Unlike other groups, our committee feels that there's different information. There's some common elements that need to be on transfer forms that go both ways, but there are some different elements that need to be on when you're receiving a patient. From the hospital. So, for example, a couple of the conditions that are the most common conditions that cause rehospitalizations within seven and 30 days are cardiovascular conditions and infections. So, if a patient is transferred from the hospital to the nursing home and they've had an echocardiogram, an echocardiogram may be critical in determining how you treat a patient or their last set of electrolytes and renal function tests. Similarly, with infections, patients may be transferred on antibiotics to a nursing home from the hospital, but there's no clear indication for the antibiotics. So these types of very specific information may be critical to patient safety and reducing medical errors and reducing the chance of readmissions. It's really important to develop these type of tools because in many areas of the country, the way medicine is practiced now is, I can tell you at the hospital that I work at, which I think is a good hospital, it's just become a teaching hospital, if an elderly patient comes in from a nursing home or even the community, frequently their primary care physician does not take care of them in the hospital. A hospitalist takes care of them. And then the hospitalists often order multiple consultations. So a patient at a critical time during a hospitalization is seen by one or two or sometimes even three hospitalists that don't that haven't seen them before, and then three or four or five consultants. And then if they're discharged to a skilled nursing facility for uh, rehabilitation and ongoing medical and nursing care, they may be seen by another physician. So at the time of these hands-offs, when complex patients have had an acute illness, they're being seen by physicians and nurse practitioners who may not have seen them before.
1: Well, for those of our listeners who are driving right now, don't worry about the web information site that Dr. Auslander gave us. We'll have it posted on the ReachMD website since the program is also downloadable to iPod as well. So, Joe, thanks for that information. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangalos, and joining me to discuss safe transitions of care is Dr. Joseph Auslander. Professor of Clinical Biomedical Science and Associate Dean for Geriatric Programs at the Charles E. Schmidt College of Biomedical Science and Professor Courtesy at the Christine E. Lynn College of Nursing of Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida. Joe, let's continue with some of the successes that you may have put into place or some of the stories that you've got with regards to these forms, these documents, particularly with the transfer documents to and from the nursing home.
0: I'm not sure that we've had a lot of success yet. What we did with the Interact Project through some support from the Commonwealth Fund is we worked with 30 nursing homes in three states, And we provided them with all the tools, not just the transfer documents. And we did a one-half to one-day educational program for them and then had a, a champion at each facility participate in a conference call with an experienced gerontological nurse practitioner. We did that for six months. We're analyzing the data now from that. We had 25 facilities completed the project. We have a lot of qualitative feedback on the use of these tools, many of which they found very helpful. We are trying to clean up some of the hospitalization rate data. It looks like the facilities that participated in the collaborative had a reduction in their rates of hospitalization, but I'm not confident yet in quoting that because we're we're looking at some of the details of some of the outlier data right now. I think that the tools themselves have been reasonably well-received, but the real challenge here, Eric, is, as you know, all the incentives that are currently in the Medicare fee-for-service system and even outside the Medicare fee-for-service system can drive the wrong decision to hospitalize someone when it may not be necessary. And until those incentives are dealt with, I think we're gonna have a hard time engaging nursing homes in trying to manage sicker patients in the nursing home when they're already trying to do a good job providing high quality care for a very complex population with limited resources. So I think until the incentives, the incentives in the system change, this is going to be a challenging area.
1: Well, you certainly haven't let the possibilities go. The Interact program, as you've described, is two parts. And so that first quality part, I mean, that quality safety piece is to not admit them in the first place so that you don't even get on the cascade of worrying about transitions of care. And I think that's that's quite exciting in and of itself. Joe, can you tell us how families participate because they have their own incentives, sometimes across purposes, but oftentimes to keep people out of the hospital as well.
0: I think that's a very good point. The interact tools are three basic types. One set of tools are communication tools. One set are care paths for conditions that commonly cause hospitalization. And the other set of tools focus on advanced care planning and how to communicate with residents and families especially about end-of-life issues when someone is recurrently getting ill and how do you deal with that. I think residents themselves and families have to be involved in these decisions and so does, I think, not just the physician or the nurse practitioner, but the nursing home staff. You know, Geriatrics and especially in nursing homes is a team sport. We We try and work with interdisciplinary teams. So, you know, just good basic principles of person-centered care, what their values are and what their preferences are when they get acutely ill, need to be a big component of making these decisions. In my view, one of the most important things is talking with people about what their expectations are. It's not just what, just dealing with the acute illness, but proactively saying, What do you expect to happen over the next few weeks or few months? And working with the resident and the families on those kind of issues. Sometimes families have very unrealistic expectations and don't understand, actually, the risks and trauma of being hospitalized in some cases.
1: I would like to thank my guest from Florida Atlantic University, Dr. Joseph Auslander. Joe, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine.
0: Well, thanks for the opportunity. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, Please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.